burned a mask of Saru as any siblings. He mentions Sriracha, remarking he won't be reunited <laughs> with her. Transporter energizes. Made me three officers in new Starfleet uniforms. Captain Pike, non. And his science officer, not Spock. It literally <laughs> says that. <laughs> I see it right there. His science officer, not Spock, is running with effectives. Said Evan Conley, Pike informs that he had been sent by Starfleet. Sim Discovery under Regulation 1970. I swear to God, it says it's, it. I'm reading it right in, here. I his know. inflection <laughs> is a little different than it is intent, but yes, it does say that. <laughs> yourself for sheer fucking hubris. Sheer fucking hubris. Hello and welcome to Sheer Fucking Hubris, uh, the podcast where three Star Trek fans and buddies uh, conduct a weekly watch of an episode of Star Trek Discovery and then proceed to discuss it. Um... And this marks the initial episode of season two. Woo! I, I am Joe Bob. Uh, you just heard from my co-host, Biblio Warden. Hey. And we are also joined by Mr. Willie. Hello. And this week, we started off with season two, episode one brother from another mother <laughs> and also from another father and True. we just we we really this was definitely a palate cleanser episode from uh, I agree just the mound of shit that we had to wade <laughs> through at the end of season one uh yeah. I agree. You know, I, I thought season two is off to a better start. You know, it's kind of like you wind up sleeping with this really hot girl and season one was like finding out it was your sister. And then <laughs> then season two, episode one was like finding out that it wasn't actually your sister. It was just kind of like a, a cousin, uh, not not a first cousin, but maybe like third or fourth. So it was still it still felt a little off, but it was a lot better than uh <laughs> than what it was to start with. That's true. Because I gotta say, it 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 felt first off, again, and I said this before, the aesthetics of this show are just absolutely mind blowing. I mean I I feel like the visuals are just incredible. And that is one thing they have consistently delivered on. It's as good as, as any movie. The cinematography. Yeah. It it, yeah. it it really is amazing. And I do feel like uh, they made an attempt to bring this a little bit more Star Trekky, and I appreciated that, mm -hmm. uh, even though it still had its discovery moments, uh, and and some of the just some of the comments were just kind of just tongue in cheek, just kind of real real brief. And if you missed them, you know, it, but but I felt like they were addressing some of maybe the criticisms after the first season. Oh, like, there were uh, there were four or five comments that were made directly toward the audience. Yeah, like Most, like the one that jumped out at me was uh, they were talking about the uniforms, and Pike says, you know, well, careful, we got the new uniforms. 
you know, or, or yep. something like that. You know, they just went ahead and just took care of that. That criticism right there went away. <clears throat> so, you know, there was some of that. There was some mop-up work from the end. I felt like we, we, we tried to develop more characters in. Now, granted, you know, I'm comparing to a pilot, which may not be a fair comparison, but I felt like we tried to develop a handful of characters now instead of maybe two. Mm-hmm. And I also felt like they all had a actual contribution. It wasn't just uh, it wasn't just some kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, they didn't just pull a character in just to give them a name and make them make them be there. You know, they they all kind of had a little bit of a part to play at times, mm-hmm. and so I appreciated that. They so, all had so, seemed to have their own personality. Yeah. Right. And, and purpose. Yeah. Um, with the exception so, so, of Lizard Man, who I don't uh, know who should not have been was. in that episode. Lynn, uh, Glenn had a cold that when he was writing this one. Um, he had to so take his I, chameleon to the vet. Yeah. So I, I, I actually have to say, bravo, Disco Riders, because uh, you got off to a much better start. Uh, than you did at any point last season, and and you, I feel like you even gave a. Uh, I feel like Pike's going to be just as much fun as Lorca was. <laughs> yeah, to be seen, so, but he's not. He, he, I mean, he's definitely. He, well, he's better than JoJo. <laughs> he's better than JoJo, and he's he's better than any non-Lorca character. Yeah, I mean, I'm not knocking Pike. I'm just saying, that's, that's, those are some big, uh, big, big bed sheets to fill. fill. <laughs> big cock ring to fill. <laughs> that's a big cock ring to fill. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, oh, timestamp. Where are we like seventy seconds in, and you've already gone back to the. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's a solid callback, Willie. <laughs> there you go. Um, but you know we. I we, couldn't uh, figure we, out where I had seen uh, Pike. By the way, he was Black Bolt in the Inhumans, but he didn't. Okay, he didn't speak. I, in that I whole series. I um, hadn't seen. I haven't seen it. But uh, so, oh boy. So, but at least we jump right off into Tilly being Tilly, and uh, <sighs> glad, glad. Well, we started. Well, now. I think. Well, I, Tilly. Oh, I just wanted to, to, to throw this out there because I forgot to say this in the last episode. The Enterprise yeah, has a beautiful bird. <laughs> and uh, I, I like the I like the design of it. I like how true it is to the original series Enterprise design. But, you know, with some visual updates, that's I'm fine with that. It actually, to me, looks like it fits in better with, uh, you know, now that we've had Enterprise, it, it kind of fits in better with the uh, visual cues. Uh, it, it's drawn some visual cues from Enterprise, and I, I thought it, I thought it looked really good. I liked it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, I, I agree. And then I think uh, their first uh, attempt to cue you in that this is going to be different is it opens with the iconic opening line of space the final frontier mm-hmm. right yeah um 
It's kind of an interesting little way to start it off with the Saturn probe images. Mm -hmm. Kind of reminiscent of TNG, where it, you know, you passed the rings of Saturn before the Enterprise came to view in the uh, tidal crawl. Yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. This I is mean, a, I, I this, this like whole was... episode is an open letter to the Star Trek fandom, saying eh, we're gonna we're gonna try to bring this back to something that you you know. I mean, yeah. And and I uh, like I said, I, I think that they did a good job of it. They still had some discovery moments, like Lizard Man with his cold on the tur. That whole scene for the turbo lift. How did that make it through editing? I don't I mean, know. Uh, other than just to continue to make the not Spock science officer the butt of the jokes uh, throughout throughout a lot of this episode until they killed him off. Hey, uh, Willie, I was going to ask you, um, what do you have to say? What are your words for the viewers who did not see his death coming? Uh, you're as big of a moron as... Uh, Missing some of the other things they telegraphed before. I mean, my God. Could uh, they seriously. have made it any more obvious? I mean, it, it would have been better suited just to have beamed over two officers and not even put him in there. <laughs> it was yeah. it was such a lame plot device. I mean, from the moment you first saw him, you're like, oh, he's going to die. This guy, <laughs> this guy is turbo douche. <laughs> Yes. It was just awful. Oh yeah. Just, it was like everything it, else it, in it, Discovery. It, they turned it he right. was an eleven on the Massingale scale. It's like it's like Glenn watched the episode of Futurama where uh Farnsworth had like his cloned grandson and uh <laughs> he was correcting everybody the whole time. Like that that was who this character was. Uh disobeying direct orders, basically saying no, no, you know, just second guessing everything. I was like it was a welcomed uh, scene when he was killed off, but he shouldn't even have been in there to start with. But we you know, had we to joke beam. about we joke about the characters and 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 you know, like not Cuba Gooding or not Ahura. This guy's purpose in the show was literally to be not Spock. <laughs> <laughs> they made it evident from the second he beamed in and it zoomed in on his ear, and we saw it wasn't pointy. Yep. And then from there on, that that one shot of his ear was the only purpose. And then, yeah, he, he was, became he, was he became expendable. That yep. and there was you know that wink wink moment where he told uh, Lieutenant Braceface to get her red shirt into the pod, and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, the red shirt's pod. gonna die. <laughs> and uh, Lieutenant Lieutenant Mouthguard. Yeah, chin strap, whatever you want to call her. I guess I guess the dental plans aren't great in Starfleet these days. Still have the old mouthpieces, but they—that is, is her breathing apparatus. Oh, oh, oh! I'm her sorry. breathing apparatus. She does okay. not. She is not from a planet which uh, it has a normal nitro. Has the Terran Earthling, whatever you want to call it, nitrogen oxygen atmosphere so so she's like the bin benzars something like benzars benzites or, or yeah thought, benzites yeah anyway um 
But you know, so do you notice, uh, uh, do you notice that I guess I guess we did have to liquidate Ensign Jerry Carl for seeing Empress Jojo because he wasn't the transporter operator. Now it was tinfoil Jordy. <laughs> it was Jordy. Oh, that was awful. He looked. He was like a uh, an amalgamation between Jordy and I can never remember the guy's name in uh, Bespin Cloud City. Like oh, Lobot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was a crossover between Lobot and Jordy. Is who that guy was. <laughs> Maybe oh, that is instant Jerry Curl. Maybe they like took him somewhere and reconditioned him, and that's what happens when you see the Empress and you're not supposed to. <laughs> I, I or, guess or it could so. be that there's more than one person who does the transporters. I don't know. This um, was this was B shift. Um. <laughs> how about how about when they were walking in and uh, Saru's like, I have a sister, Saruana, and uh, <laughs> there's, and, and he's like, unfortunately, there's terrain we cannot cross, and I'm like, that's a bad metaphor for a kelpie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I've seen the terrain you can cross and the speed at which you can cross it. <laughs> they, he he should have been like, there's a there's a threat boner there. I dare not lay down <laughs> or, or something like that. Which, by the way, the threat boners are back. And there were some good jokes around it, too. <laughs> You're surprised? Yeah. yeah. That, was <laughs> that was pretty good. You know, and it almost looked like he was just, he, he was just exasperated with them going up on him, too. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, he was like, oh, my God. And uh, looks around. What you're surprised? And and I mean, dude, he was at full attention all the way up until he heard Burnham's voice too. Mm-hmm. Burnham, the boner killer. That's right. He was on the he was on the verge of having to uh, go see go seek medical help. How the fuck but, does Discovery have room for 300 science bays when the turbo lifts cross over each other like a goddamn roller coaster and there's apparently like <laughs> shit flying around in the elevator shafts. They were designed by Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah. <I do. laughs> the glass elevator. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, man. What they don't tell you is that some of those labs are the size of a phone booth. Um, well, she stuck the poor yoga instructor in the in the utility closet in a closet yeah <laughs> so she could give stamet two levels yeah how about that scene between tilly and stamet first off that was both great whole, and terrible the casillian uh, opera prima donna heart stabbed like uh, this terrible. was like you were talking about um in the last episode where you're like, this was like a soap opera. Like we had a couple soap operatic moments in this episode. Did. And, uh, and, and I'm sorry. I, I just, I don't think I would have imagined an on duty officer would be able to put on his VR and watch movies while he's on shift. Dude. But, hey, uh, hey, short timer. He'd already taken yeah, a okay. job elsewhere. That's he's right. like, fuck it. What are they going to do? Fire me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I liked I liked what he told Tilly. I felt like that was very good advice for her. Hopefully, she takes it to heart. <laughs> Just say uh, though, if you were things. Let me say that I I really liked his performance there when he was talking about not Cuba Gooding, because I said in the last episode 
He's basically been like, I mean, we haven't really seen him react to it. Like he's acted like it's not a huge deal. Except the mm-hmm, one time yeah. he got a little pissy with Ash, but like that didn't feel earned. I I actually felt something that he was trying to convey when he was talking about like seeing it everywhere. You know, seeing him everywhere and everywhere he looks until he's like, oh, ghosts aren't bad. He's like, haven't you ever been afraid of a ghost? Let's call that. <laughs> I know. But, Tilly but I, being Tilly all episode long. Tilly, Tilly being Tilly. At what point am I supposed to start liking Tilly? Because she just fucking annoys the shit out of me. It is so over the top out of place. It is. It's awful. But again, I just, I, I, it almost feels cynical. Yeah. Like, how many times is she going to mention she's a command trainee? Until she like graduates. Four in this episode? Yeah. And, uh, and, and like the way she acted around Pike was just, uh, it was like a freshman around the high school quarterback, which I'm, I know that's what they were going for, but it was just, it, it was too much, right? Like have her stutter a little bit, have her obviously be, be visibly nervous, but the whole, uh, pinky and touching his hand and, you know, just, uh, it was, it was terrible. You not think that a captain would be like, Ensign, you are a get off the officer. Yeah. You need to get the fuck a hold of yourself. And all the all the bridge people are just like laughing, like, ha, ah, that's our killing. Da, 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 yeah. da, da. Like it's a fucking sitcom. Yeah, it was Oh me. So like I said, there were parts of this by the way that were sorry, very sorry. reminiscent of season one that that fell flat. Uh or or I shouldn't say fall flat because they already fell flat. They remained flat from season one. And uh, Tilly's behavior was one of them. Uh, the, like the, the turbo lift scene, that was another one. Uh, not Spock. That was another one. where Starfleet spends all her pennies. Yeah. Just, uh, oh, man. Oh, oh, oh. Well, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Never mind. Um, Oh, fuck it. I'm going to go there anyway. I felt like we went out of our way to spend some of our budget on the CGI of replicating or or synthesizing a new uniform in the last season. Why are there different uniforms? Why is it a deal? Why does it matter who gets new uniforms? In an instant, you can change every uniform across the entire Starfleet armada. Why does that make any sense? (laughs) I don't, look. Does the word uniform not literally mean they're all supposed to be the same? (laughs) I guess that's the five-year mission we don't fight in the war uniform. I I don't understand why, like, the Enterprise was the last resort. But, yeah. That felt like lazy writing. It was like, oh, they were off on their five-year mission, so that's why they weren't in the show at all. I, I felt like that was kind of lazy writing. Yeah. But, <sighs> um, but yeah, so, so the whole uniform thing. But if you remember, and, and I don't know which episode it was, but at one point last year, I said something about the uniforms. Just I was like, it doesn't make any sense. If you want to just give them a small facelift, give them a small facelift. Why not have them in there? And and again, it was like they were. I wasn't the only one who said that. 
and they were responding to the criticism and they were like, oh, well, these are the new uniforms. And mm-hmm. that's why Discovery had the old ones. But so. So with but, the uh, opening, but we jumped, way, we jumped straight into it though, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you, what'd you think of the story of the girl that threw the ash in the air? And the Njok tribe uh, uh, make the Milky Way. And it made seven red dots. Did it make the seven red dots? It did. Uh, uh, well, that should answer your question. I liked, uh, I thought so little of it that I fast forwarded through it on the second time I watched it. So I didn't really pick up on all that. Um, it got, it got lumped in with the previously on season one and <laughs> went into like the longest season recap ah, that, I've ever it seen. <laughs> it was like yeah. a five minute recap. It was but a message. Seen- it was a message in a bottle for those whose hearts were open to receiving it. And it was the seven red dots. Mm. Well, but why don't you tell me what you thought about it? Then? Clearly you thought more about it than I did. <laughs> No, I thought it was interesting. Uh, they kind of they went serpentine across the you across the galaxy, which made me wonder if that was the th- part of the serpent Spock was seeing in his nightmares later on, and if that nightmare as a kid was related to his nightmares coming back that actually have the red dots in them. Maybe so. Mm. Uh, boy, Spock. He was uh, he was a good looking kid, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the bowl cut. What can you say? Oh man. Yeah, that was. I gotta say, I want one of those little sketchboards. That thing was badass. That's pretty cool, but like, do you? It I didn't mean, make a whole lot of sense. Shit, somebody give them an Apple pencil. My God, that. <laughs> I don't know why he needed like that. A... It's like Gigantic. a therapeutic pen. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, I'd like, and, see, I'd like to see what you could do with that. Uh, and I was gonna say it looked like a quote-unquote therapeutic <laughs> massage device. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. That that whole uh, serpent scene and um, you know Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I don't know. Maybe it came out about the same time. I don't know. Nowhere near that time. No. I know it was like yeah. two years apart, but still. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe Glenn would caught it on TBS, but so all right. Bot so Bot got a visual upgrade too. I think she looks shinier. Oh, so did Demeter always have one? So I looked eye? at that. She got a yes. more pronounced robot eye. If you go back and look in the last one, it was it was a lot. It was subtle. It was nuanced. It's not and, subtle which, now. Which actually flies in the face of Discovery. So I don't know why they didn't just go all the way in last season. But yeah, that first scene, I was like, why is her eyes so different? And uh, I went back and looked at older ones, and it was like I said, it was it was subtly different in season one. But now they they had enough budget to go spring for a a more reflective contact lens. So they gave it to her. 
Well, yeah, I, I, I think it's partly because she got dressed up because she's a character now. Um, yeah. Whereas before she was mostly needed to blend into the background. Fair enough. Whatever. So anyway, we're going to go. I was being mostly snarky, but. Okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but so let's. All right. So, so, so we're so, so moving along. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've. We're going to beam over a science officer, Captain Pike, and another officer. And Sarek's like, I never thought I'd see Spock again, which I immediately thought, that's dumb. You live like 300 years, you green-blooded Vulcans. Like, you've got another 190 years. Isn't it logical to expect? Whatever. Never mind. And then we walk to the transporter, and Saru... Is sniffing also out has Burnham. a family anecdote. Yeah, oh, yeah, he talks, yeah, he's sniffing yeah, he talks out. about sriracha, but he's like, you know, I smell your endocrine system, and I'm not even going to make that joke. Never mind. Yeah, um, please don't. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> anyway, they get there, not Spock transports and pikes. You know, I'm here. You know, under the Starfleet C-section rule. Mm-hmm. And you know, Saru's like, "Oh, this is only to whatever." Yeah, only in three instances. Which one is it? And and we turn, we crank the dial up to eleven. All three. Them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But, yeah. Uh, so not Spock just starts telling about the red lights, and he gives actual, uh, useful information, and Burnham. Says it's like a compass at the North Pole, <laughs> yeah. and Pike says that makes no goddamn sense about him. But I mean, no, wait, he doesn't say that. He says, "Think of all the syllables that lost their lives in Connolly's detailed report when he could have just made a metaphor." And she's like, "It's a simile, <laughs> you fuckhead." Oh no, that was so bad. So they hop on the turbo lift, and I'll even. So I, I was watching this with the wife, and and she even says she's like, "What is the point of this scene?" Just and to show uh, that the that even lizards get coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is he on duty if he's that? I mean, like, you know what? I don't even want to go there. That scene was dumb. They didn't need it. Lizard man shouldn't have been there, and they could have just had their discussions. But we had to make not Spock. The butt of some more jokes. Lizard man and, uh, will return. <laughs> oh, wow. Glad to know he gets, he gets better. Linus. <laughs> so, so we get up there, and uh, after we see Pike's report card, and I don't know, is Pike going to die later in the season from an asthmatic attack? <laughs> or, yeah, or it better because- come into play. Or or he's going to be told he has to solve an astrophysical equation or else they're going to kill him. And uh, he can't do it. But uh, Maybe they'll tell him. Maybe they'll give him the astrophysics problem and he starts having an asthma attack. <laughs> My inhaler. Um, yeah, that was... Oh, well, yeah. That was Tilly being Tilly some more and the whole pinky thing and just just wow. But... That's it's so good. I, I do like how he played off of it, though. I mean, just the you know pretending to have or having hurt him thing and the whole yeah. 
dad but to joe bob's <laughs> credit that was not a starfleet officer thing to do that was not a starfleet captain behavior but i don't also, know it was as if tilly uh, weren't annoying enough why the hell is she the only person who is somehow simultaneously stationed on the bridge and in engineering I you notice that like her post is i don't know where her post is because she's on the bridge and she's digitering I, I think she's in the command training program, so she's getting experience everywhere. Yeah, she's on a rotation. <sighs> okay, so she's All shadowing. Right. Is she is she learning how to be a cameraman because she's apparently shadowing him? It's not. It's not supposed to make sense, Joe Bob. All right. So, but but we decide we've got all these red lights, and they all flashed all at once, and it couldn't have been natural because of the synchronization and we're going to go to this one little guy don't you worry too much about that one little guy but we're going to fly out there and we're going to find him and mm -hmm. so we we give our little is it possible not, it has something to do with the war no, no it no. doesn't we've already contacted high chancellor or, or, or chancellor Laurel. Oh boy, with her iPad of death, <laughs> and uh, and so so we know that she's coming back this season in some fashion. Now that and... they're gormagander-sized fireflies that saw Takuma's beacon and thought it was like their thought mom it was a mating call. Home. Yeah. Well, if it was a gormagander, it wouldn't be a mating call because we already I said gormagander that. size. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, gormagander sized fireflies. And so, yeah. And so, so, but but one of these things is still active, and we're gonna go find it. And so, so Captain Captain so I'm not turns to the camera and says, I know that y'all went a whole season without learning anybody's name, so fuck it. We're going to do a roll call. Yep. Sound off, bitches. <laughs> Don't need your rank. Don't Just need your rank because nobody at home cares about it. <laughs> Except for you, BotBot, because bot, you don't have any other name other than BotBot, bot, so you can say Lieutenant BotBot, bot, even though in two seconds Saru's going to say just Saru, but whatever. Yeah, it was so, fine. I don't remember their names. Um, all I remember is that their names are not what we call them. Right. That was all I got <laughs> out of it. So it was a given. <laughs> so they so they lay in a course, and uh, we leave the Enterprise behind. Which, so again. And I know we touched on this last season about how sometimes technology works and sometimes it doesn't. So the Enterprise is so stricken with issues it's having to be towed back to space dock. Where the hell did it come from to start with and have life support and transporter power? Anybody? Anybody want to take this one? I... Um... I mean, it didn't have to necessarily have transporter power because the Discovery could have just beamed him over. Okay, but, Warden. Uh, all right, I retract that one. You, 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 I retract I wonder, that one. Did they, have to, uh -huh. uh, did they have to divert power from the Morse code batteries to transport <laughs> over? 
Oh, man, the only thing I could think of from this scene was uh, when Scotty was giving Morse code to him before he blew the wall. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell are you standing around for? Haven't you seen a jailbreak when you see one? Or don't you know a jailbreak when you see one? <laughs> Stand back. Stand back. <laughs> so I'm I'm glad to know that Morse code oh, is still being taught. I'm glad Starfleet. that you thought that because I thought Independence Day where they're uh, get on the horn tell them how to bring those sons of bitches down. <laughs> oh man. Hmm. Morse code. Uh, but but Luckily, Tilly thought of that because if anybody's going to be able to think of Morse code, it's going to be the the command trainee uh, ensign who has basically no experience uh, with something like that. But I guess nobody technically would. But you you wouldn't think that's unless it was like she was the one that was most recently in school, so she's that the person be, who yeah. thinks of those things. Hey, I remember this from History One Hundred One. Telecommunications 101. And I just took my right. finals last week, so. <laughs> so, all right. So, but they, they get some Morse code, bring them over, and then we're off to the beacon, right? Or to the light, right? Hit it. Yeah, I, I did like that, yeah. We, we, we couldn't use go. We couldn't use steady. We couldn't use engage. So we went with hit it. And I don't know, does, has Pike said that before in, like, different uh, iterations of the show? I don't recall. No, he was I, only I the captain of the Enterprise I, for one episode, right? Well, he was in the reboot. I couldn't remember if he may have said that in there. He was in the reboot, but was he ever... Did he command? Yeah, I guess he was commanding. <clears> the, yeah, yeah, in the first one, he was, yeah. I don't remember. For a, for a little while, to, yeah, until he was incapacitated, but... This guy looks a lot like him. They did a good job finding someone that looked like him. Mm -hmm. Mm, Not that it matters. I will say, too, I thought that they did a really good job with making the uniforms look very, you know, obviously evocative of the TOS uh, Enterprise uniforms, but still physically similar to Discovery with the uh, the braiding on the shoulders, but just yeah. being the same color and the slightly off-centered zipper and the collar that's a little bit uh, more pronounced. That I was mean, pretty neat. It basically is the Discovery uniform. They just use different color fabric and put the uh, TOS um, cuff rings on Pike's uniform. Yeah. Oh, they look good. Which is good because I, I again, don't know why they couldn't have just had them to start with and yeah, in it's, season it's, one, you know. Again, it seems like it's important to be able to tell someone's rank without being like without sticking your head in their tits. But <laughs> oh boy. All right. If only that was actually acceptable. So, you know, I know that they're going for something beautiful here with the Cassilian Opera and committing suicide. You know, they, they get this person to train their whole life just to stab themselves in the heart after they hit that high E. 
Yeah. But it just kind of struck me as barbaric. Like, how many of them do you think uh, hit that high E a little flat just to be safe you know, <laughs> yeah. at the end of that opera? Um, that was just, that was so dumb. <laughs> I, I, like I said, th- this, this episode definitely had its disco soap operatic moments, and that was one of them. Um, you know, why not just say they retire? You know, or like they do one. Prof- I don't know. I I don't get it. None of that it wouldn't be sense. extreme enough. Yeah, that would not be discovery enough. So, and so he decides that he has stabbed <laughs> himself in the heart when he hit his high E, uh, making the spore drive work, and he's going to go teach instead because those who can't do teach. <laughs> and he can no longer do. He can no longer do. So he's going to go teach mushrooms and give TED Talks at the Vulcan Science Academy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Nice. And we, but, but we, yeah. So we, we are, bring back, we are uh, like 15 minutes into season two and we've already brought Alice in Wonderland back into it. Yeah, we, we could not. It has been a recurring theme. We had to have it in here. Not only do we bring it back, but we read some of it this time. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, season yeah. one, season one, kind of episode one. It was actually episode three. You know, she was reciting it as yeah. she was crawling through the Jeffrey's tubes. And now here we are, uh, season two, episode one. Now we're reading it again. I guess they paid for like <clears throat> fair use or copyright, whatever. However you whatever royalty you have to pay. And they're like, damn it, we're going to read from this book every chance we get. <laughs> it's actually, um, it's, it's in public domain now. So yeah, I figured it was a joke warden. I know. Librarian. I librarian. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> librarian. I do appreciate it. No, I, thank you. Yeah. It's a good thing that, uh, it's a good thing. Amanda didn't give her a copy of like a contemporary book. This show may have gone bankrupt. So. Well, it would be in public domain by the 22nd century. Ah, you're right. Was so, thinking? you know, a good lawyer could win that in court. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think we're all relieved that Amanda is not an Alex Cross fan. Uh, I don't read. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is either. Every, every librarian's nemesis is a, it's a James Patterson book. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Okay. He's not an author. He's a he's a book factory that, you know, has like all these co-authors and Jesus. Oh, okay. Much room on the shelf is what he does. Okay. Moving he, on. He he breaks the Dewey Decimal system. Well, he's fiction, so that's just by author name. But okay, moving on. Can we get I, out I of this know. rabbit hole? Jesus Christ, y'all. <laughs> I don't know what the Dewey Decimal system is anymore. Good God. Uh, yeah, you've been out of the academy more than a year. Uh, anyway. Well, yeah, so so they're talking about Spock and, and reminiscing about childhoods and and all that. And a whole lot was said, but not a lot was said. And how do you Sarah, construct? Like, how do I... But it's she, okay. Cause is she Sarah, meditating or is she remembering uh, this? Or is this like a holodeck thing? We have holographic candles, which I did think it was kind of oh, cool I've... that the way you dismissed them, you blew them out <clears throat> or blew one yeah. of them out. 
It was kind of neat. Whatever. Probably makes birthday cakes a little bit less fun now. You just got to <laughs> aim for one candle. They all go out, but the cake is probably a lie. more hygienic. Yeah. The cake, the cake is a lie. Cake is always a lie. Yeah, don't blow on that fucking cake. Blow on that candle over there, you barbarian. <laughs> so. uh, but yeah, so so they talk and uh, we we figure out that Sarek was apparently a terrible father and just decided instead of trying to teach his son himself, he's just gonna adopt somebody to teach him empathy. Which actually is ironic because that clearly shows a total lack of empathy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I guess he was a Vulcan, so what are you going to well, do? Well, and at the same time, it, everything that we saw in season one makes me believe that he taught her to have zero empathy. <laughs> right. I, I don't fucking understand it. Whatever. He wants, he wants his Vulcan son to learn empathy, and he wanted his human daughter to forget it all. Right. And just learn and just focus on logic. Seems to me like you're not playing up to your children's strengths on that one. He has a weird God complex when it comes to Vulcans and humans. And yeah, yeah, I don't know, but, but it's okay. Cause uh, he knows there's something there's, there's some missing notes because obviously the theme in this episode is music. And so uh, he says there's some missing notes focus on the problem ahead and he walks off the episode set mm-hmm. because we don't see him again. Right. I don't believe so. He no. just kind of, I guess they, they kind of tabled Tarek for a while. I guess he went, went and hung out somewhere at the bar. I don't know. You'd think he would have probably, since he was so worried about this, you'd think he would have been a little more interested in it, but so he, well, he, he walks said, off the episode. I think he said that he has to go, uh, form a committee to investigate these lights. And Burnham's like, well, we're actually going to actually physically look at it. Shouldn't you be there? He's like, no, nah, I'm going to the committee. <laughs> if you need me, though, call me. Whatever. That's not the important thing. And the important yeah. thing is that we got, we flew there and the, listened to Cassilian the- Opera while we were at Warp. That's right. And uh, so we drop out of warp. And so here's here's a moment where I thought it it was okay. So they drop out of the warp. They're they're in the asteroid field. You know, they kind of have to react. Uh, Pike goes to yellow alert. So yellow alert does exist in this Star Trek. We never went there before. But uh, he goes to yellow alert. And... Uh, and so they start scanning around. This part kills me, though, right? <laughs> yeah, it did. So, mm-hmm. so they're like, <laughs> we, need to, we need to get a closer look. <laughs> and uh, he says, options, which, which I felt like was a very Star Trek thing to do. You know, like, well, okay, at- first of all, first of all, like, the asteroid that almost T-boned them, to use Pike's parlance, was exactly at the source of the red light. Why did you drop out of warp right there? Directly at it. Like 700 meters away. Like, why not back off? the element like, of surprise. Like you, you aren't sure if this is a friendly or unfriendly or natural. Or you know it's not natural. So like, I mean, just surprise, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> maybe drop out like, I don't know, 
20 million kilometers away or something like <laughs> get a little bit better scan i don't know this is fuck it never mind you know what just yeah. rush just just jump yeah. ball deep whatever <laughs> yeah so so he says uh, i love this he's like you know options and she's like we have telescopic cameras for hull repair what good are those things <laughs> going to be? Here's <laughs> one little thing you that comes can, out. It's like, you well, can we... only see away from the ship. <laughs> well, we found out the that, hole is not out there in space. And and so I guess I guess each camera had a different uh, different zoom because it has to flip around and take several different pictures. It wasn't even one camera. It's like the, oh it's, my gosh! Oh, it's like jumping around the damn ship 133 <laughs> times. It just looked it was supposed to look cool, and and I don't know. Like once you take a picture and throw it up on the screen, you can blow it up as much as you like. Like at that point, the detail oh. is set by the resolution of the camera. <laughs> you don't get somebody with better eyes to say, "Hey, let's." So what do you so see? Yeah, and Southwood. Yep. So he just hobbits to Isengard. You know, like I just <laughs> it was so bad. I know. I just like why did somebody just go up and do a do the the finger pinch maneuver on the screen and zoom in know, on right? it? <laughs> that was awful. We we just had to continue to show how just superior kelpians are to pretty much any species known in the universe uh and so he never mind the fact that in star trek forever it's always been computer enhanced and magnify like it's never been they've never had to take the kelpie solution but i guess they never had a kelpie on the bridge so uh that that part that part, like I said, they, they started off well, like, hey, give me some options here. Let's figure it out. <laughs> oh, we have these telescopic cameras. Just, and, and then our Kelpian can zoom in and really look at it. I like, the only way it would have been better would have been if they'd have gotten the pictures and Saru would have, like, retired to the dark room to develop them. And no, you see I, him, I wanted like, his eyes to, like, him. actually <laughs> extend like benders do on Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that was so bad. That was so bad. But so we figure out, in, and the pipe comes in. Good news, everyone. <laughs> That's twice we've hit Futurama this episode. Oh yeah, that was a good episode. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so we figure out that it is the the USS Hiawatha, and uh, and she's been lost for ten months, <laughs> crashed on an asteroid. But but before that. Before that, I, I swear to God, if we find out that the captain was like, you know, Sacagawea Pocahontas, I, I'm gonna fucking lose it. Because you remember, I was our, where's our, where, yeah, where's our memory alpha research consultant, Warden? Where we were talking about how JoJo got the Shinshao? Yes, I, I recall that conversation. <laughs> it was, it was probably Chicote's grandfather. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh my god. There's not even that. an entry there's that not an entry good. for Hiawatha in Memory Alpha. It's oh. Typical. Typical we whitewashed it. Typical. 
Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, they just linked it earlier. Okay. Um, I'm high off a type medical frigate. Apparently, it was the class leader. Um, They're heading for the medical frigate. <laughs> Indeed. Um, While he looks that up, let's just, uh, again, acknowledge the fundamental misunderstanding of physics that the writers have. Because if that ship were to somehow enter a gravity well of an asteroid that had enough apparent mass or matter to create its own atmosphere, that ship is not going to push it off course. That ship is just going to... It, it It's like a BB against a bowling ball at that point. But Like they were oppositely charged, though. That's right. Because we couldn't put that together. We couldn't just say... Sir, you know, we we were repelled from the object. We have to say like like identically charged magnets. But Yeah, but no, it was non baryonic matter. That's right. It was so non baryonic matter. The mass is not determined by physical mass, it's determined by mycelial mass, and they had roughly equal mycelial mass. All I could think about when Tilly started talking about that was you screaming in one of the episodes. Bring back the Tarta dog. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, damn it. They're going to bring back the Tarta dog. Oh, oh God. No information on the captain of the Hiawatha. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to assume it's Chicote Sr. I mean, I don't think it's going to come back, so it's okay. Obviously, yeah. it doesn't. We've, we've abandoned it during this episode. So, uh, not so, to mention that, uh, by the way, Chief Engineer Maverick down there, uh, I think she would have bulked up after spending 10 months in gravity that was 10 times what, uh, uh, 10, 10 times the normal gravity of, uh, you know, that humans are accustomed to, mm, but whatever. Yeah. Well, I think, I think they did insinuate that that had in that was a recent event and that's what was destabilizing everything. Um, never, but either it way, that atmosphere the whole time she was down there. Right. I guess, I guess so. Fuck it. I mean, let's it, not talk about uh, science. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> let's not bog this sci-fi down with science. We got to get to a sweet ass, uh, visual scene pod right? race. I don't even know what to call it. I'm betting on Sepulpa. <laughs> you know, but but before that, we got those killer sweet flight uniforms. Because, again, we can't just be normal in this show. Why did why did the, why did their flight uniforms have to be color specific and everything? Why why is nothing standard in this show ever? Well, and apparently, apparently, Pike. And uh, and Braceface and not Spock brought their own because theirs were colored according to the new uniform style. And Burnham's was silver with the old uniform. I don't know. I don't See, get I th it. I thought that was specialist color. She's not specialist well, she's a, anymore. She's commander again. Right. I mean, they had to brought their own because there's no way that there was one on Discovery that fit them because... The way that it sealed in Pike's ass, it was definitely <laughs> custom made. Mm. 
and we oh, lingered man. on that shot for a oh, bit. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, so we decided we're going to get in the pod racers. You remember? You remember uh, in the very first episode where they're like, "There's no way you could pilot a vehicle through there. The only way to do it's in an EV suit." I don't know. I guess they were wrong about that. <laughs> well, they they didn't have those on the ship at the time. Oh yeah, that was the Shin Shao. Okay, come on, get it together. They're standard <laughs> issue now. Why the hell issue. did they not just launch out of the goddamn shuttle bay? Why did they go through a <laughs> they network the of pinball machine caves? Yeah, like it was awful. Well, well, they were in the shuttle bay. That's. Well, oh yeah, and then they dropped down. Yeah. Into the little hamster tubes or whatever. Uh, it was terrible. <laughs> it was so stupid. Uh, Pike's like, like you said, take the lead. I was like, well, the lead kind of seems dictated by whichever path crosses first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they're flying around again, though. The the visuals are are incredible. Um, the craft don't make any sense. Uh, they look they look nice, and of course the asteroids and the, their their heads up displays and everything that all looks great. But we can't uh, resist having a ship with shit on the, it that doesn't spin. It turns. <laughs> You're exactly <laughs> right. It has to spin. Oh my god! Also. If you're in one of these things and there's shit flying around everywhere and the only thing separating you from death is like three centimeters of transparent aluminum, put your fucking helmet on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You would think that would be a basic safety precaution, but... I like it. They come out, they're like, we got debris, no shit. It's like... (laughs) What the fuck? You didn't map any sort of course. Like we did at least they the couldn't. away team planning is carried over. Like they they, they, yeah, they it was like it was a surprise that. it was debris. First of all, you can still you know, I still don't understand why there's no shuttle bay door at all on Discovery. So you can see the, out there. Debris. Yeah. <laughs> should be able to see there's debris. Second of all, like a, a scan would be a really good idea. Third of all, I don't know, but they had to switch to manual, and and Braceface is like manual, manual, and she's like, no, I mean like automatic manual. What the fuck? Kind of quite, yeah, yes, manual. <laughs> so and, let's talk about let's talk about that away team planning again, because. You know, I know we reference TNG a lot because we're turbo dorks who just really loved it. <laughs> but like, like Riker always led the away teams. That was just kind of like what the first officer did in that show, right? So Riker would was routinely a part of the away teams. Then you'd have like Data because you know he tended to he he had traits that humans did not possess. He was a very valuable member. And then you'd usually send like a security officer, like Worf or Tasha Yar, or somebody who's who's kind of in charge of security. Picard very rarely went on an extremely dangerous, hazardous pilot. This little, this little three-inch, like you said, transparent aluminum glass ship through an asteroid field. Like, why would 
Pike, not Spock, Nan, whatever her name was, and Burnham be the four that you would pick on this. Well, I mean, well, none of them are pilots. Even none of them are pilots. I've been thinking like, about this. Even like Voyager, you know, they made a big deal about Tom Paris being a good pilot, and he usually did the flying on these dangerous away missions. Like, can you fucking imagine how asinine and out of place it would feel if you had like Picard and Doctor Crusher and Geordi, like each in their own ship that they have to fly like fucking, you know, wedge Antilles. <laughs> no sense. No sense. Okay, anyway. I am going to address the. I, I, I want to address the away team thing though. Um, at least the, at least the Pike being on the away team thing there. Um, this was the twenty third, twenty third century era of Starfleet, and there's been there there is a lot of discussion of the fact they were a little more cowboyed up in this era. Um, there is not an away team mission that Kirk didn't go on. As a matter of fact, there were a lot of most of the away team missions had the captain and the freaking first officer on at the same time. So the fact that Pike is on the away team mission and he goes on a lot of away team missions, we will see, isn't necessarily consistent, inconsistent with Star Trek. It's just that it's inconsistent with what we remember in Next Generation because that was a more buttoned down and prudent era it's picard and you know but i'm well, just putting the, that out there the sillier thing to me is uh putting them all four in a pod racer that is yeah. yes spinning pod racer that did didn't even make sense why i was spinning sometimes like if that had been your thruster blocks that would have been one thing but like while she's sitting there in the belly turret, looking up at him, getting a crotch shot, you know it, the thing's still spinning. <laughs> it's the way that was a what? long look between them when they probably should have been eyes forward. Yeah, <laughs> true. Also, yeah, there was a lot of that, a lot of swiping and looking and typing. You know, is when you not to be is dodging. not Spock the one that broke. Uh, was it him that hit the windshield? Yes, it kind of looked that way. <laughs> it's his his idiocy of losing his pod that also. No, I literally being... meant it looked like his body bounced off him. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, that that's what okay. I that's what I recall. So do, you, do you think they were able to beam him out before his seven seconds were up? Uh, no. Or do you think, I sure hope. Do you so. think he perished? Yeah. Because you can survive 6.9 seconds in space. Maybe he went on hit... into the pulsar. Well, maybe so. We can hope. Yeah. I mean, they wrote him to kill him. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> from from start, yeah, from the get-go. Uh, you think you think the actor who was playing Spock like showed up to the set late, and that guy was just like a, a coffee <laughs> coffee runner? Maybe that's actually Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> they gave Glenn a cameo. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, all right. So, so uh, by the way, so Mal they sure are talking a lot and moving their hands and shit a lot freely. 
to be in nine G's or eleven G's or whatever the hell it is. True. Whatever. I don't even care. How did Pike get his helmet to work before he ejected? Did it just happen to come up? He, uh, right he kept second? hitting it. His chair. Yeah. Yeah, he finally gave it the old Fonz, and it and it whipped down, and he went, "Hey, <laughs> yay!" <laughs> and then it, it goes down, <laughs> and so he ejects up. Burnham ejects up and grabs him. Uh, we get a real awkward hug scene, and uh, and then I don't know. For me, like, why would you wait till the absolute last second to fire the thrusters? So we can see the rock almost impale them. Also, if by the way, if it's nine G's and you're pulling that much debris and you have that strong of a gravity well and an atmosphere, do you think it's going to be that jagged? Just uh, this is just hypothetical. Uh, there's no real, no wow, real way to I know have it. No idea. I I honestly yeah. don't know. Um, I before we get too far past it, I do like that the moment. It's it's one of the character moments we referenced at the beginning. We were when we were actually saying that we liked all this, um, where you've got Asoiko and Burnham and Detmer all talking, and Detmer's like, "We've got you," and then she talks. To, she's like, "You've got him, ladies, right?" And, you know, it's just the kind of yeah. And they look at each other like, "Yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. we got this <laughs> shit, maybe." But it's the kind of like you know human character moment that you didn't get for almost and relaxed normal amusing character moment you didn't get the whole first season for the right no i agree by the way you get it you get it but i i still feel like the crew is awful nonchalant and unprofessional at times in this show but i don't know like like that 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 whole look to me with like the shrug uh I, i guess whatever who cares who cares? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, we, Janet Reno is a is is an engineer on a crashed medical frigate in this show. So, who cares? Uh, it, whatever. <laughs> if you if you were falling at nine G's and you waited to the absolute last second to fire your thruster, wouldn't you just be a red paste? <laughs> Inside your suit. Uh, unless you had some fucking badass inertial compensators, yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. We'll say it's inertial dampeners. Uh, so she catches him, and you know. By the way, orders don't mean anything in Starfleet still. Because he's like, <laughs> hey, not Spock. Get back in line, that's an order. He's like, look, I had a fucking Cation roommate. He said, it's too high, it's too high. That's too high. What do you mean too high? It's, it's, like it's to, too high. To, doesn't make any sense. Oh, boy. Yep. So not Spock died because of his own sheer effing hubris. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, we will all eventually. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we assume Nan made it safely because they just kind of order her off offset for a little while. Yeah, they're like, and you then, just deal with this shit. Uh, I'm going to go catch the captain. But the, then, them, but they made it safely, and so Saru can finally yeah. go limp. Yeah, he gets, he gets a little limpy. And, <laughs> and, uh, and on to investigating 
the Pocahontas. So 75% of the way team makes it down to the surface of the asteroid, which in this Starfleet is actually a pretty good number. And we got a target. We don't have a signal. We don't have something interesting. We have a target. That's right. Whatever. Bogey. Uh-huh. So And then it uh, splits. And it's like, Eva. I repeat now, we got three Vogies. Pete, there are three signals. That's right. scans them. It's like, hey, yep. y'all, come on in. Uh, and and I mean, this scene, uh, Glenn had clearly just watched Wally, because that was a hundred percent looked like what was her name, Eve? Yeah, the little little white robot flies in, scans everything. Eve. Yeah. So so Eve comes in and scans them, and uh, I don't know. We're we're pretty willy nilly. We're just like, all right, we'll follow follow this thing's voice. You think at some point you have a human voice, so you think maybe sure. she should have said, "Hey, by the way, take it slow. There's gonna be a tripwire that's going to decapitate you." <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel like we cut that one pretty close. That would have been something so, to have known ahead of time. Yeah, probably. As penitent man, you know, penitent man, is humble. Kneels before God. Kneel. <laughs> I wish they'd have done that. Oh, oh. Man. All right, and then we meet Attorney General Reno. Yeah, Attorney General Reno, who takes a a pretty nonchalant attitude towards human or not even human anatomy, uh, anatomy in general. Because our oh, bodies are just machines. I'm 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 balls deep over here and. Tellerite brain. Tellerite brain. I got that dude hooked up to a Bolian heart. <laughs> oh man. It's actually pronounced Frankenstein. Yeah, I was about to say it's like a not it's like <laughs> those Nazi medical experiment camps in there. Uh so she's like, don't worry about this blood. It's, it's it tastes like shrimp. That's right. Evolution's a fickle bitch, am I right? And they're like, I don't know what you mean, but nice to meet you. You know, but I'll, I'll say this: like, she was, she was kind of off the rails. But then I think, like, she'd obviously been on a ship basically by herself for ten months. She probably had kind of let some of the Star Trek protocol go. Um. Oh yeah, I mean, she's talking to like catatonic, <laughs> right? Almost corpses, you know, building robots for company. I mean, to, she probably would be a little bit crazy. To, uh, I'm gonna be honest. To pull one from your playbook, character. I did too, because I, I I liked her. And to to pull one from your playbook, like I'm surprised she didn't have a straggly beard when they ran in and be like, the Klingons <laughs> are everywhere. So that'd be so fantastic. I want that to happen at some point but, uh, in Discovery. But yeah, like I felt like she was. You know, we still don't know who the fucking chief engineer is. Let's just make it Janet Reno. Well, maybe that's who becomes it once they bring her on board. Either that or Chief Doctor. The, the doctors on Discovery aren't very good. Uh, well, I mean, a machine's just a body. That's right. It is. Wait. Well, yeah, that's right. You can say it both ways because it's a Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And she's, you know. I love how I love how everybody's She reaction. was funny, too, because they're like, uh... She's like, what the hell's going on here? They're like, we accidentally knocked this headed into a star, so we need to get the fuck out. She's like, oh, that's refreshing. You know, that's reassuring. I just thought we were going to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I like her. I can yeah. handle having her on. So, well, we're uh, you're not speaking Klingon, so I guess we won. But and then Burnham's like, "No, we're at peace." Oh, that's awesome! How'd you do it? We planted a nuclear bomb in the heart of their planet. She's like, "Jesus Christ, y'all are savages!" <laughs> no, 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 no. She looks at the camera and is like. So just beam us out. You got pattern enhancers. Just do ship to ship transport. And they're like, oh no. You see, audience, transporter pads are much safer. <laughs> because we know that all y'all were bitching about all this ship to ship direct site transport the last uh, season. So we're going to say, so everybody, I'm only going to say this once, goddammit. It's safer this way. And we Another and we have to boost the power. We have to boost the power to make sure it works. So you know what? You know, to those the, the, doors, the damn chief engineer there for eleven months, running low on power. Just shut off the goddamn red alert perimeter alarm. <laughs> like was that constantly going for eleven months? How much battery power did that take? Whatever. Ugh. You know, uh, I got to say this scene, you know, I, I agree with you. You'd think they would have needed to have figured out a way to beam the patients directly. Like, how are you going to transport the dude who's hooked up to a heart? Like, that one would have been a little tricky. You had fish dude in a coffin. You had some other human in the stasis. Like, and, and we're just rolling them around willy-nilly on gurneys. Those steps up onto that transporter pad had to be a bitch for some of those patients. That couldn't have been. That couldn't have been very comfortable. Yeah. Well, you know, Wait, move them hey, or die. How does how does Lieutenant Wheely get up on the transporter pad? Because oh, there was sweet. no wheelchair ramp. Jesus. Did y'all notice he was wheeling around the halls in this episode? Uh-huh. The corridors. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, Discovery is oddly non ADA compliant, so. How's that work? They they beam him onto the transporter pad with ship to ship transport. <laughs> Pre he, he gets pre beamed. So Oh my god. I got a question about these doors. Are there not override switches or like why do you all why did he have to pry it open with a pipe? Because we need know. a Star Wars reference. And furthermore, if you're gonna pry it open with a pipe, why not make it don't make it head high. Like, put it on the ground where it's not going to be in everybody's way. Or put it all the way at the very tip top. Don't put it head high. Uh, and then Get that, the idea of needing these to be fail closed, but yeah. that, that seems to be really inconvenient sometimes as well. <laughs> Whatever. So, alright, but so they... Uh, Everybody gets beamed off except for Burnham. You know, what I think, I don't understand why, I feel like in most sci-fi movies, when they're in a situation like this, they put tactical on destroying asteroids before they hit them. I don't know why that wasn't a solution. Saruja's panics when he's taking the shields down, and they decide to go into evasive maneuvers instead of just like, hey, you know, tactical, keep these asteroids from, from hitting us. And also, why don't you, 
why don't you keep the shields up until that massive one that's about to collide with you gets past you, <laughs> then drop the shields. I'm not convinced the shields would have done anything. They uh, not in this universe. No, nah, they retrofitted it with the the Care Bears containment field. Oh, okay. Uh, so but so they they beam everybody off. Is that the one? Is that the same one that they used to keep the ghosts until Dickless shut off the power grid? <laughs> uh, is, is this true? Yes. This man has no dick. <laughs> oh man, you you pulled like nineteen eighty nine out. Oh boy! Uh, All right, so <laughs> well <clears throat> done. Well, yeah, well done. Uh, <laughs> so they 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 beam everybody out, and in a dramatic way, uh, Burnham Burnham plugs in two two cords, and that shorts out and blows her through the door, conveniently hitting the pipe and locking it. And even though mm-hmm. it, even though it's kind of been established that Burnham's pretty stout and ha- has pretty impressive physical strength, she can't open the door, uh, even though Pike did it by himself just a few minutes earlier. But uh, well, it starts blowing up pretty much immediately. And right. So how does Pike and get they, back? Well, he beams back. But how did he beam back if the ship was blowing up behind her? Um. It was like the it was like the episode six trench run on foot. <laughs> I, do, I, like, I don't know. So I kind of wondered that too. If they could beam him back down to the asteroid surface, because he beamed out. Right. He, yeah, so they he had beamed to beam out. him back down to the outside. Why didn't they just beam her up? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It didn't happen. Well, uh, the reason why is, and I was, I meant to point this out in the last episode when they were in Orion Town. Did you see what Burnham was, which tattoo Burnham was looking at? No. You know, the tattoos like uh, moved. They like came to life and it was like angel wings sprouting. You remember what I said first time Gabriel met Michael and I was talking about. (laughs) I'm, I am convinced we're going to do something with that. Because <laughs> then, as she's laying there, she sees fucking seraphim looking shit coming through the the mist. Ding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, it looked like an God. angel. It looked like an angel coming through. Oh, and... yeah. oh that feels so much better. The angels. Um. All right, we get, guy, I, I got a few more seconds on this cigarette. Give me a minute. <laughs> so, so we're okay. fully embracing this angel thing. <laughs> yep. I mean, I figure we are after the last two episodes, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I uh, told you they couldn't hold hold the blue balls on it. That 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 they had the name of that for a reason. Well, anyway, but before she beams out, she grabs the tesseract. And uh, <laughs> they, they beam her out, and it drops right. Mm-hmm. Because it it was apparently made of non baryonic matter, I guess. 
Um, so, so they're in sick bay, and so which I don't fucking understand. <laughs> How can you uh, can you walk around on non baryonic matter if the whole asteroid's made of it? I thought that that I thought non baryonic matter was antimatter, and as soon as you set foot on it, you would annihilate each other. No, I don't think it's quite. Antimatter. Um, it's dark matter, right? Which is not. So they said it was dark matter, which is not antimatter. Isn't dark matter like uh, baryons like are just heavy like atomic a, particles, like protons and neutrons? Um, so non-baryons yeah, are matter. Well, now, uh, hold on. Now, actually, for to, for Joe Bob's point, what? What was the name? What was the material of the sweep on the TNG episode where they they had to do a, a sweep across the, uh, the Enterprise? Every so, wasn't that a baryon sweep? Yeah, because baryons would over time uh, they accumulate accumulate as a part of warp travel. Yeah, but was that a baryon sweep? Like, was it sweeping off baryon, or was it made of baryon? Um, I think it was removing baryons. Okay. All I know is that some bitch crawled as as forward as he could in a ten forward lounge. But that was a good episode. Yeah, it was. Maybe we should go back and watch that one sometime. <laughs> At least uh, one per season on the show. We need to watch a good show. No, I'm just this one. Season. Okay. <laughs> so. All right, so so they beam her back and they're fixing up her leg. Uh, of course, we got a, a dramatic yell, um, you know, with with the the searing hot shrapnel in her leg. I mean, my God, that had to hurt. Yeah, um, um, but, I would have primal screamed a lot sooner than she did, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and uh, but but the angel shows up. And beams her out, even though we're not really sure how the angel got there. And uh, beams her over. And then while she's sitting in sick bay, supposedly getting her two-hour compound fracture repair, she's playing on her iPad, plotting everything out. And she talks to Tilly. And, <laughs> and Tilly being Tilly, Tilly comes up with a plan to get the asteroid. Oh, boy. <laughs> I had, should we I take a, the engineers don't approve? <laughs> yeah. Should should we should we take a break on this one and hydrate up before we go off on it? <laughs> uh, so let's just go on in. So they come up with a plan to capture an asteroid, right? And right. the plan is going to be to situate it directly between their legs and spread them as wide as possible. Spread them out. <laughs> and take and, this dark matter in. And try and land it right on top of the diaphragm. Because because uh, so, alright, so they do it. So they throw out this little gravity collector simulator thing right in the middle of this uh, in the middle of the shuttle bay. 
They well, do a terrible job of making sure they're everybody's clear. Yeah, uh, what, <laughs> yeah. I was about to say they're like clear, and I mean the thing's already open. If you weren't already whatever, like when that thing turned on, shouldn't it have pulled everything in the shuttle bay, people, equipment, cargo, everything just into it right then? Yes. <laughs> Because, it was so stupid. Because it, it clearly had to generate about nine Gs, right? In order to hold this this asteroid there, um, right? So so they right. so they positioned it in the wake and they hit the brakes. And Star Lord is so pissed off because he's like, <laughs> "Damn, that's way bigger than my <laughs> gravity simulator device." And so <laughs> it comes comes barreling in, and they catch it. And then Tilly turns around. What does she say? Like the power, the power of math. People. Oh God! The power of math compels you. The power <laughs> of math compels. And then gives the most awkward high five to Stamets. God, I, I cannot stand Tilly. <laughs> it was so yeah, bad. Stamets is all in now that he finds out we're capturing an asteroid. Yeah. And she's like, the Seattle Bay took a lot of damage, and like, there's like sparks flying everywhere, and like shit's wrecked. But there's like 70 people standing around and nobody got yeah. crushed. I have no idea what the fuck happened when that asteroid came like, in. Do you think? First of do all, do you think maybe they could have picked a smaller 8 one? Eight million people standing in the goddamn shuttle bay <laughs> instead of like, all right, everybody out. We're gonna watch this. Well, and not only that, on camera if you, or something. If you drop the force field to let the asteroid in, didn't you depressurize the shuttle bay and everybody should have flown out? No, that's not the way these things work. They're one-way force fields. It's like, how did you kick Lorca out the moon door without depressurizing it? Ah, okay, you're right. They're one-way force fields. What was I thinking? Yeah. What was I thinking? So it's a thing in sci-fi, but still, why the fuck do you have the half the crew in the shuttle bay? That was so stupid. You know, you'd think carrying an asteroid around would probably mess up the uh, air, astrodynamics of flying a spaceship. Like I mean, I, I'm just I'm just picturing the discovery now. They're gonna go to warp and they're just gonna like, flip up around over themselves like a like a paper airplane. <laughs> <laughs> because ah, oh, this that why, why wow, the stewardess <laughs> just made people change cabins. God, uh, that whole thing was. Have so you ever been on a small enough plane where like the stewardess makes you change seats? Yeah. To read Distribute the wealth. Yeah, the wealth. <laughs> I've been watching too much of this damn social commentary, Star Trek. <laughs> Redistribute the weight. Uh, yeah, that was pretty bad. That was pretty bad, but we got it. So we captured the asteroid. Um, we couldn't have captured a smaller one. I don't know why we mm -mm. couldn't have, but we could. We were have. totally okay with Burnham's like softball size sample, but <laughs> Tilly's like. Fuck it. Go big or go home. That's right. <laughs> the power of math, people. Uh, didn't seem like a whole lot of math got done before, before this little shenanigan. But... Oh, no. No, this is uh, this was a hastily put together plan. <laughs> uh, and even Pike was like, oh, my mission's over, Saru. This one's on you. I want, <laughs> I want plausible deniability when this thing goes tits up. <laughs> uh but so they, so they get the asteroid, and then Pike's over in the ready room, and apparently when... He is a braver man than I am, because I would not be the 
crawling around on the floor looking, picking up shit left over from Lorca. Yeah, when when Cornwall uh, vaporized the fortune cookies, there was like one little tab that went flying out like the feather and Tom and, and Forrest Gump, and it just kind of yeah, landed beside her diaphragm. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so he picks it up. What did it say? I I can't even remember. Like not every cage is a prison. Mm-hmm. Not every loss is forever. And or no one is truly gone. Yeah, no one is truly which gone. Which makes me more, Which makes me. Still have hope that Lorca's coming back. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe Prime Lorca will come around. And then once again, Pike is uh, Pike is the, uh, the the muse who speaks to the audience, and he looks at the camera and says, "Hey, what the fuck kind of ready room is this? Where are the chairs, man?" The only thing is this heart shaped bed that rotates back here. I can't figure out what this guy's <laughs> going on. There's mirrors on the ceiling. But I do like the scotch from the motherland That's right. uh, that he keeps in here. He kept uh, whatever. And then they what do you talk some about Spock, right? And she says that, that they got close, but then she's the reason they're not close anymore. Yeah. Are they doing what? Is there some sort of implication that there was like some. Oh, my God. No. Tell, I'm sorry. I thought I was watching Star Trek Discovery season one. <laughs> My fault. This is Lord. this is season two. We are we are grounded in reality. We have a gravity generator underneath reality, and we cannot <laughs> escape it. So yep, yeah. And apparently, Glenn. Let's see. You know, we talked about uh, Mrs. Glenn being pregnant. At the, the last episode, I guess things didn't go so well. So split custody is on Glenn's mind. <laughs> so he's like, oh, "We got joint custody according to the courts." So is just gonna be like, uh, you know, the weekend captain, and I'll be the captain on you know weekdays. Saru gets uh, major we'll holidays. It, yeah, we'll we'll make it work. Basically, you know, the important thing to us is that. That you guys and the crew don't don't feel any different. Yeah, we don't want to disrupt know. the chemistry of the crew. That's right. That's right. So and then he looks at the camera one last time and says, "But goddamn it, let's have fun this season." <laughs> oh, but wait, it's not just that. He says, "Let's ruffle a few feathers." The only thing I can think is a phoenix is coming back. We're going to ruffle some feathers, and the phoenix is going to be back. What do you think? No, I think we're going to ruffle some angel feathers. Oh, that's a good one, too. But, I mean, we already know that there's High Chancellor Laurel, and, and I'm sure I'm sure uh, uh, Phoenix is right there beside her. Because mm-hmm. we definitely didn't tie up those loose ends last time. But that's all right. And you know why it's okay? Because uh, Star Trek apparently has the least respect for someone's privacy imaginable. Because I was like, like holy <laughs> shit, can anybody just... She's like, all she, hey, listen. She just pushed I open. I want to see Spock. <laughs> well, first of all, she's like, I want to go see Spock. He's like, oh, wait. You mean I haven't mentioned yet that he's been on leave for like two months already? <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't tell, say that to your dad or you. I, I really should have told you that when I first got over here and we talked about having someone in common. That is totally my bad. But anyway, so she's like, well, seeing as he's gone, can I go through all this shit? And he's like, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, well, see why not? So she beams over there. I did appreciate that the door sound was like the original Enterprise mm-hmm. door sound. Mm-hmm. And so, so she, but also she doesn't even have to put in a code. She just pushes open and it opens. And then she walks in there and opens his diary. I can't believe she didn't even have to use, she didn't have to steal Tilly's breath this time. Oh, God, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> Damn it. So, yep. Yeah, so she, uh, so, so she breaks into his room and starts going through his stuff and then finds his diary and, and opens up his diary, and I guess, I guess the implication was that since she had seen the way Spock did his drawings before, she knew how, and so she went Tony Stark and started throwing it like up, you know, so she could see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we find out that there's a connection between she was. You see, she was throwing it up. In the sky, just like the little girl that threw the ash. Mm, brilliant. And the air, and she made the Milky Way. Brilliant. It really was. So we we and know that somehow makes... Spock has either caused the beacons or foresaw the beacons, one or the other. Right? Mm-hmm. The serpent from his nightmares. She's the angel that must confront the serpent. Well, I thought here's the deal though. <laughs> okay. Here's the deal though. I thought this episode uh at least sets things up to be a much better season than like like the the season one. Think about where you felt after the end of Vulcan Hello or even um context dot 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 is for Kings or whichever one was, was episode three. Think about where you felt there versus where you feel now. Oh, I mean, it was so much more interesting. And it's, it's, it's actually something to kind of grab you and, and make you want to watch a little bit more and find out more. As yeah. opposed to, like, I really hate you guys for making me watch this show. I, <laughs> do you think uh, uh, there was any... So, so we, we referenced the tardigrade the Tarda dog. And did you notice uh, when she was talking about the Tellerite brain blood, she talked about how it was in like a marine mammal or something. And that was where the Tarda dog supposedly came from was uh, some kind of marine slug on Earth. Uh, what was it called? Can't even remember the bullshit answer they tried to give us back then. It's a tardigrade. It's it is what it is. It, it, no, 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 because I just remember they never actually answered it. They were like, oh, it's very similar right. to the microscopic uh, water slug buffalo on Earth, but yet this one's microscopic. He, the, the, the microscopic creature is called a tardigrade. Yes, a water bear. Yeah. Water bear. That was it. The water bear. That's I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I prefer water buffalo. I like. I like your. I I just caught that because you know, why why else would you put that whole thing in there? Like, oh, it's full of uh, something, you know, just like marine animals. Evolution's a fickle bitch, isn't it? 
<laughs> I guess they're going to get Tellerite on board, and he's going to be their spore drive pilot. Maybe that's it. They did say they had to find a uh, a non-human way to power the spore drive. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will be the Tellerites. And we will subjugate them and make them serve us because we're the Terran Empire. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, as I was listening to one of the last episodes after we released it, um, I remember you talking about how uh, all the resistance fighters were going to be like leading the resistance in the uh, <laughs> <laughs> in, in the in the Prime Universe. And did you notice it was all the same? It was like they <laughs> still, was the they still had them on the payrolls. They all yep. moved on board. Even the Tellerites, those ugly-ass Tellerites. Yeah, so. There was a ding-whoop in the episode last time. Yep, covered it. Uh, well, I guess I guess that one hadn't released yet, though, has it? I don't know. No, you that's cut, on you, Sunday morning. You, you can cut that out if you need to, then, Warden. My bad. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is the um, power of but, math, people. Jeez. Oh, yeah, I mean, this episode was it was dumb in the way that Discovery, I think, is just always going to be dumb. But it was not most of the time like suspension of disbelief, breaking stupid, and it was not dark and gritty for dark and gritty's sake. And it was surprisingly coherent for this show. It was obviously setting up an arc, uh, you know, a, a, the season arc, and yet it did a good job of being an episode unto itself. Mm-hmm. It didn't take itself too seriously. Um. Yeah, I mean, we tried to make a few jokes, you know, uh, as as uh, as. As the episode went on, like, and uh, like you said, it was kind of self-contained. Like we had a a dilemma that we had to handle in this episode that mm-hmm. was that was separate from the overarching plot. Obviously, these seven beacons and Spock is is going to be the story, you know, the season long arc. But you know, we kind of acted like Starfleet officers, honestly. Yep. Throughout the episode. Everybody other than, you know, Tilly, but... Yeah, what are you going to do with Tilly? Fuck Tilly, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Why can't we put her in the janitor closet? She goes in there to cry, wants to shift. Because she almost cried twice during this episode, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want you to go. Please tell me you're coming back. Be like, Tilly, I thought that you were the one that reassured people. Isn't that what you tell everybody? <laughs> She's going to do great when she gets to the command training test that Troy had to take where she has to make Jordy die. Except in this one, it's going to be tenfold, Jordy. <laughs> but um, getting back to what you were saying, yeah, you it's, know, I, yeah, I was telling the truth, see? Yeah, and, and what, what other thing about Tilly? Uh, Stamets tells her, he's like, you're going to make a great captain one day because everything you do out of is, is out of love. I'm going to be like, that's not going to make a very good captain. No, it's not. No, <laughs> that, it's not. That, that's not Stamets a trait. Stamets just trying to be nice. Yeah. He yeah I can tell you that's a handicap. 
He said he threw uh, that in to soften the blow. Yeah. Because basically he was just trying to get around to shut the fuck up, Tilly. That's right. Tilly, you are resplendent. And you're gonna make a wonderful captain. Oh yes, yes. You're fluorescent. And you're gonna make a wonderful captain one day. Because you do everything out of love. But repeat after me, I will close my goddamn mouth. But yeah, I mean, look it it may it may be the best episode of Star Trek Discovery so far. I think it, as as far as a Star Trek, uh, if we're viewing this what? from a Star Trek paradigm, yes, it is the most Star Trek episode yes. of Star Trek Discovery so far. The zero doubt about the that. Best episode so far it was uh, magic to make the sanest man go mad. Yeah, I, you know what? I had a lot of fun with. I don't remember which. Kind of the the, not the, finale of the mirror, uh, universe, but like maybe the two leading up to the finale. I had fun with those. Yeah, yeah, that there were some fun ones. They just like it, you just couldn't watch them as Star Trek, uh, and they were right, right. They were That's fun. True. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm not predictions for this season. Ooh, that's that's a tall order right now. Yeah, it's a tough one. A tall order right now. I almost almost don't want to make them because I feel like they're gonna be they're gonna be so far off. Yeah. Um Well, what's the name of our next episode, Warden? Okay. Brace yourself. Okay, brace yourself. Uh, I am no, braced. No, no. <laughs> no, no. It's like like the janitor on Scrubs. Brace yourself. No, seriously, brace yourself. Everybody <laughs> grabs all of the table. <laughs> um. So yeah, the, the the name of episode two of season two is New Eden. Okay. 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 All right. So I I don't know. Maybe I'm off base with the serpent uh and angel imagery, but New Eden is not it's not throwing you off the scent at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, how- I mean, I, just, I I have no idea where we're going from this. I guess we, I mean, I guess we're going off, uh, this is going to be season two, the search for Spock, at least part of it, because he's, he's out investigating the, the seven dots and trying to find all the infinity stones. Uh... And we're going to follow in his footsteps. Is that that's kind of what I gathered from? He's left his a personal. He's log. left a cosmic breadcrumb trail. To but part of the map's missing in R two D 2s memory banks. <laughs> it's in IRAMs. She just doesn't know it yet. Before before the uh, 
the ship blew up. Spock did a mind meld with uh, Pike, and it's in his brain. He's done Noah yet? Yep. Jim, you left me on Genesis. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I swear, if, it, if that... If that does play out, that Spock is mind-melded with somebody, we're going to find out later. Oh, man. That family's brains are everywhere. I just... You think you think uh, Spock was looking at, like, uh, Vulcan porn or something, and uh, and uh, uh, Michael I, ratted him out to Sarek, and that's, that's why he ran away? Bam. That's why she didn't expect him to speak to her again. That's right. And he was getting a little too uh, empathic. Yeah. He was uh, he was going through Pond Far, and he was spending a whole lot of time in the shower. She she went into his room because clearly they have no boundaries. Lifted up his mattress and and found a uh, Vulcan Sluts nineteen uh, on the data pad. Could have been. Oh, Illogical hose. Illogical. 77. What do you think happened to the logic extremists? you think they rooted them out, put them in recalibration camps? Well, that's a good question. Um, you think? I'm going to say that we never hear about logical extremists again. I, I'm going to say a lot of left a we don't hear about again so that was a shit episode i think uh do you remember the episode of friends where they were going to kill joey off and he got the script and so he kept trying to act around the event that was going to kill you think that's what evan Connolly was doing not spock (laughs) and that's why that's why i was just so bad in this episode and uh Maybe. And he was so he was so irascible with everything because he's like if I agree to go on this mission and agree to do it Burnham's way, I'm gonna get killed off. And so they finally just had to kill him off anyway. Could have been. Because uh he he clearly uh I mean it was just that that, that whole role is awful. Absolutely terrible. But fortunately we don't need to see him again. We don't. Um, somewhere right now, Discovery is off licking your wounds and taking pictures of the hull for repairs. <laughs> so maybe, maybe the Discovery was actually like an insurance ship, and uh, it's like it's like the insurance adjuster of the fleet. Yeah, I could see Saru being a claims <laughs> officer. <laughs> yeah, go out there, take some pictures. Ah, oh, this. This doesn't look like a one-time asteroid event, Saru. This, uh, this to me looks like a normal wear and tear over a five-year mission. I agree. Tow it back to space dock. It's totaled. Boy, we are rambling. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to wrap this one up. So, uh, Warden, hit it. Hit it. Uh, I was hoping you'd change it. <laughs> Very well. Um, so that's uh, Joe Bob, the warden, and Mr. Willie signing off. Fight and Fury, performed by R.J. Wilkes. Used 
Commander License from Shredder Scott. 